Discover new mind and body hacks to thrive as a human today. The Institute for Aliveness is here to teach you all the things you never learned in school. From talking poop, sex, childhood trauma, emotional intelligence, psychedelics, and of course, fasting and food. This is a podcast that changes lives. Join your host, Dr. Andrea Page, as she travels seven continents to find the most captivating, impactful humans for you. Yay! So uh, I'm I'm honored to have you here and to have you here at such a an incredible time, Sarah. Um, you've just finished a one year juice feast, as I understand, and I came to know you from uh, one of our devout listeners and followers of everything that the Institute for Liveness does. Uh, Amanda Joy sent your post of running a 5k on day 365 and um, and I was like oh yeah there's a are you are you generation z how old are you can I ask yeah I'm I'm 26 so I'm technically on the border of millennial and just right on that cusp epic 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 so a cusper (laughs) who is here to experiment with um yeah the the boundaries of what we know our species to be and i really appreciate that because that's everything we do at the institute for aliveness is up level humanity so i want to open the space to um to you to the listeners just finished a one-year fast what does that look like where did you come from what brought you through it and um yeah let me know yeah well first I just want to say how honored I am that I'm here and I get to talk with you this is the coolest thing I never expected any of this when I went into to juice fasting my original intention was to do 100 days and that was because I had a doctor who told me to wrap my pretty little head around the fact that I would never never be healthy I would never live a normal life and I was just like you know what that's wrong I don't, I don't want to hear what you have to say because that's not, that's not what this is. And to back it up a little bit, I was born with a genetic connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Basically, if you think of the body in terms of connective tissue, think of it as a rubber band. In a healthy body, rubber bands, as you know, they snap back when they're pulled out of place. In an Ehlers-Danlos body, the rubber band is all stretched out. So it doesn't snap back into place. Uh, My joints have a tendency to uh, hyperextend, to dislocate, to sublax fairly frequently. Ehlers-Danlos is also that really insecure insecure girl at the party who won't go to the bathroom alone. It has a tendency to bring along a ton of other conditions with it. So I also have, I was diagnosed with gastroparesis, which means my stomach is essentially paralyzed, global intestinal dysmotility, which means my intestines don't move, uh, a couple of different forms of dysautonomia, which is um, dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system. So everything in the body, as you know, is supposed to regulate on its own, heart rate, blood pressure, uh, temperature, digestion, everything like that. My body wasn't regulating properly. I have a history of trauma as well. So really I had the perfect storm brewing. And in 2014, I moved from America to Israel. I joined the Israeli army. And on my draft date, I was given, was given four military grade vaccines. And that just started this whole avalanche. I've had weird symptoms my whole life because of the other CMO syndrome, but they were never anything big enough to actually go to a doctor for. So I never, um, I wasn't diagnosed with this genetic condition until much later on into my health journey until about 2018, 2019, actually, because just none of my symptoms were bad enough. But the mercury from those vaccines ended up 
doing significant damage. And um, that's what really, really set everything off and created this. I already had the perfect storm, but it's really what set everything into motion. So it started off while I was in the army. I started not being able to hold solid food down. Um, and ended up, I was medically discharged from the Israeli army in 2016. After a year and 11 months of service, um, I was just a year and 11 months of service. Um, I was just one month shy of finishing my service, but I was medically wow. discharged. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy roller coaster ride. At that point, I was emaciated. Um, I wasn't holding anything down. I was vomiting upwards of 20 times a day. Um, I came back to the States to get some medical treatment because the doctors in the army all decided that I wasn't actually sick. They refused to run any tests. And they told me that I was only like this because I missed my family and wanted to get out of the army. And I was just looking for an excuse to go back to America. That wasn't the case, obviously, <laughs> but I came back to America. My doctors ran actual tests and like, whoa, this isn't right. This is, this is not good. So um, we ended up, I ended up getting all these diagnoses over the course of several years. And every diagnosis that I got was told, I, I was told that this is something, the diagnosis that I got was told, I, I was told that this is something that doesn't have a cure. This is something that we can find symptom management for. We can give you medications. We can give you a feeding tube, which I had. Uh, you'll use a shower chair and you'll use a wheelchair. Um, and maybe one day you'll graduate to a walker. Um, but just so you know, Sarah, your life is not going to be normal. You're not going to be healthy. Needing daily naps is going to be your normal. You are not going to have a productive, you're not going to be a productive member of society. You should go on disability. We should remove your intestines because it's not like they're doing anything anyway. And I was just like, this isn't what I want. This isn't, this isn't, I have meant for more than this. This isn't going to be my life. And this doctor that I saw, he was a gastroenterologist. I had doctors all over the country. This particular one was in Texas. Um, I had doctors at the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, um, North Carolina, Texas. I was in all parts of Georgia. I was all over the place. wrap my pretty little head around the fact that I will never be healthy. Something inside of me just snapped. And I was like, you know what? No, no, that's not the case. So um, my geneticist, in uh in my area in georgia she actually she was the only doctor who had any faith that things would potentially get better and she recommended that i looked into the gerson therapy so i looked into it obviously i couldn't do the solid food i wasn't holding down any solid food but the juices were good so i did the i, I couldn't stand the green juice i couldn't stand the uh the the special soup that they recommend on the gerson therapy but i loved the carrot apple and then I went on Instagram and I was looking for other juicing recipes and I came across a bunch of people on Instagram who had done juice pieces. I was like, whoa, this makes a lot of sense. And then at that point, I was also going to school online. Um, I was working very part-time for my dad. I still do. I work for him full-time now, um, virtually, fully remotely. And I also am a full-time student now. And the class that I was taking while I was discovering juicing was... Uh, was a, it was a biology class and we were talking about ATP and how one molecule of glucose turns into 36 usable molecules of ATP and ATP is what powers the body. 
and a light bulb went off. It was like, hold on, hold on a second. You're telling me that ATP is literally what the body needs to survive and to thrive. And all I need to give my body to make that ATP is sugar. I can do that. So that's how I ended up doing mostly fruit juices for the entire juice fast. And I'm thriving. It's just been such an incredible roller coaster journey. It's, it's, it's been nuts. <laughs> wow. Thank you for, for sharing that backstory and the history. And I, um, I hold you in the trauma that you experienced, not only in early childhood, but definitely in the journey of people telling you that you're sick and you're broken and that there is no, no happy ending. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the perseverance required to kind of break through that and find your own contentment and find your own healing is, is huge. And so I, I commend the doctor that you've birthed inside of you. Um, and yeah, really <laughs> acknowledge that. And um, what what's curious to me on your healing journey is that um, you persevered through that you you understood very clearly from the biology teachings that the body is actually simple and that we don't need all these things that we think we need but the complications of someone telling you oh this is right this is wrong or that's dangerous um that it didn't phase you can you tell us a little bit about what that healing journey, what that healing journey looked like and um yeah just like what what encompassed it yeah so to be honest the the perseverance that you're talking about and the strength that you're talking about that was all my parents i'm i'm so blessed to have such supportive such a supportive family and while my family doesn't drink any of the juices that i make they have zero interest in trying any of that they have zero interest in changing their own diets they wanted to see me do anything that i could to try and get healthy and it didn't matter to them if it was off the wall, standing on my head for the rest of my life, as long as that meant that I would have a life to live. At one point, uh, I was in organ failure and um, was dying. I was told that I wasn't going to make it. There was another point where I went into acute kidney failure because my potassium levels were so low from all the vomiting. And I was in the hospital being fed through my veins for six days while they tried to keep my potassium up, keep my potassium up. And it was touch and go for a while. That as, as, a, as a person who experienced that was very, very traumatic. But looking at it from the perspective, and I can't understand this because I'm not a parent, but trying to think of what my parents went through watching me go through this, that has to be trauma on a whole nother level. Because as a parent, from what I understand, you love someone more than you love yourself. And here you are seeing this person that you just want to heal and you want to help and you can't. So that feeling of helplessness and that feeling of, of being so overwhelmed and watching your child struggle. I can't imagine that. And the strength that they had to not only support themselves through that time, but to support me is really what kept me going. And that's what made me realize I need to do this. This isn't just about me anymore. Um, and when I would get frustrated with, with the experience and not being able to do everything that I wanted to do. And there were times that were really hard. And if you look at I wanted to do, and there were times that were really hard. And if you look on my Instagram, I definitely share those because healing isn't easy and it's not fun and it's messy and it's, it's painful and it hurts and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful experience, but it is so, so hard. Having my parents supporting me through that time emotionally, that's what really 
gave me the push to go forward. But healing as a whole, that's, it was honestly the hardest thing I've ever done. This past year was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever done. The most rewarding thing. It was, it was literally everything. I feel like I've lived a thousand lives in this past year. And on some level you have, and you're not even in your Jupiter return, right? You're, you're in a free period of, of 26. It's funny, astrologically yeah. in terms of your timeline. Um, Wow. Yeah. Let's see what your Saturn return brings as you turn 28 and a half. What were you dealing with at the beginning? And you can talk. I would actually, I would love if you would be willing to talk on the level of the body, then on the level of the mind, right? Mm -hmm. And mental clarity, irritability, things like this, right? Food. And then on the level of spirit of like true depth of understanding of who you are and why you're here. Kind of, can you give us those three levels yeah. of a beginning, middle, end, or beginning, middle, 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 end? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So when I, on a body level, when I first started, I was on several different medications just to allow me to hold down liquids because I couldn't hold down liquids on my own. Um, I was fainting daily. I actually had a feeding tube to run saline directly into my intestines to raise my blood levels so I wouldn't pass out. Um, we want The doctors actually wanted to do a central line directly to my heart to give me the saline directly to my heart, but it me the saline directly to my heart, but it was too risky based on my level of infection and my past medical history. Um, so daily fainting, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even walk to the mailbox. When I would sit up my heart rate, from laying down to sitting up, my heart rate would double. And, um, for me, that was extremely dangerous because when my heart rate rose, um, it would continue to rise and then my blood pressure would drop to try and regulate my heart rate. And then they would both crash to the point where um, my levels were unreadable for a few seconds until I came to. So there was that. I had issues seeing. I, I had visual blind spots and I'm wearing glasses right now. These are just blue like blocking glasses there. I don't need any mm -hmm. prescriptions. I don't need anything like that. Um, extreme fatigue. I, there were times I, I just couldn't keep my eyes open. I remember at my sickest, I was laying, this was in late 2016, early 2017, in late 2016, early 2017. Okay. I remember laying on the couch in my home, freezing. I couldn't get warm and I was wearing layers upon layers of clothes. I had three blankets on top of me. I was shivering and I was in and out of consciousness. It wasn't falling asleep, waking back up. It was in and out of consciousness. And I remember every 15 minutes I would hear a timer go off. And then my mom would come into the room with a straw and an insure. Okay, Sarah, just take one sip. Just try one sip for me. Every 15 minutes like clockwork so I could try and get something, some sort of nutrition. Obviously, we know insure now is not is not the best option, but that was what was available. That's what we knew at the time, and we did the best with what we could. So, on a body level, everything was malfunctioning. If the only I don't I don't think there was a single body system that I had that was that functioned the way that it was supposed to. On the way that it was supposed to, on a mental level, and on an emotional level, it was just so much anger. I felt like I had gone through enough with childhood trauma. And I felt like, why was this happening to me? What, 
why it was, it was a lot of anger at God and the universe and anger at my body. And I already didn't like my body growing up. I never liked the way that I looked. I never liked the way that I functioned. I wasn't as fast as I wanted to be. I was a competitive swimmer and I was never fast enough and I was never thin enough. And my face, I always had these chipmunk cheeks and all my friends looked really, really great. And why couldn't I be more like them? So I already had this innate sense of not being good enough. And then here, what my body was saying, well, you're not good enough for me to function properly either. So it was just this reaffirming thing that I wasn't good enough, reaffirming thing that I wasn't good enough. My body wasn't good enough. Um, so it was the sense of betrayal, the sense of anger. I felt trapped. I felt caged because I felt I, I knew what I wanted out of life, but I couldn't achieve that because my body wouldn't let me. And it was just all these. And I, I don't like to put emotions in a good box and a bad box because emotions are just energy and motion but it felt everything that i was feeling left me feeling negative it wasn't it wasn't a positive space i didn't have any positivity i had zero gratitude for the things that i could do because even just opening your eyes is a miracle every day the fact that we're allowed to see and that we have this right that's a miracle and i wasn't even grateful for that it was yeah well i can't so what i can do this i can't do that it was never good enough. And on, on a spiritual level, it was just, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. There were times that I would tell me, I don't want, I, I don't want to be in this space. I don't want to be in this realm. Pretend like I never existed, please. So that's where I was at at the beginning of my journey. And as as things got better in terms of my health and I was seeing all these improvements, um, Things also got better with my mental health. Um, I've been in and out of therapy my whole life. Um, I have specific issues that I need to work on, but I truly believe that everyone should go to therapy. It's always great to have that sounding board. And even if it's not like a therapist, a traditional laying on the couch, talking to somebody, you should have some sort of therapy, some sort of support for your mental health. Everyone should, I believe. It's so, so important to our physical health where the body and the mind and the spirit are all interconnected. Um, I really love the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, it's just everything about how connected everything, it just makes a lot of sense how the body holds on to trauma. And I do believe that was a big part of trauma. And I do believe that was a big part of, of my sicknesses as well. Yes, I had the genetic stuff. Yes, I had the vaccines, but I also had the trauma. Like I said in the beginning, it was a perfect storm for me to get so sick so quickly and to stay so sick for such a long time. Um, but as I started healing my body, obviously my mental state improved, but a lot of that I think was due to the fact that I was releasing so much old toxicity from my body that the lessons that I was learning in therapy, I was more receptive to, and I was more open to. So the cleaner my body got, the cleaner my mind got, and the cleaner my mind got, the cleaner my body got. They just worked in conjunction with each other. And now I'm at a point where yeah, I didn't run the entire 5k. I, I'm physically, I'm not at that level yet, but I ran part of it. And how cool is that? I, I cried when I was crossing the finish line on day 366, because a year ago I needed a wheelchair. So what a wheelchair. So what? I didn't run the entire thing. I got to run across the finish line. I even walked like I, there's, I, I just feel this this insane sense of gratitude for everything. 
Um, in my personal world, there are some issues with my health insurance and there are some issues with my school right now, but you know what I'm eating? How cool is that? Like I can take a bite out of something and enjoy it. And last night I, I tried a mango, right? And I got mango fibers in between my teeth and it wasn't an annoying sensation. It was so cool that I had food stuck between my teeth. Like I got to feel a new sensation. And I just think this intense and this immense sense of gratitude is what's really being, it's what's propelling my healing. And I know it's going to propel me forward even more because the more open we are and the more receptive we are to all the blessings we have, the more blessings we'll receive. And I've come to realize, Steve, and I've come to realize that everything in my life is a blessing. Even the traumas that I went through or a blessing because everything has brought me up to exactly where I am right now. And this is exactly where I'm meant to be. Preach sister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone listening. She gets it right. Um, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, to give you a little insight into what we do at the Institute for Aliveness and with our program, The Initiation, which is introducing fasting to the masses, really, um, to be a gift for most potently the millennial generation and perhaps in a little bit Generation Z, to steward fasting itself as a tremendous pause in normal existence, a revolutionary turn inward to uh, be brave enough to look at these places we don't normally look at um, for people who don't have potent physical symptoms, right? Because those are symptoms, it's much easier to fast because you notice your symptoms start to disappear and you, you feel so much better and it's, it perpetuates uh, the, the choice to not eat for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who, who don't have symptoms, it allows for um, many to witness their tics, right? And their, their addictions expressing through uh, coping with food. And so that space, the space and time required for healing is whatever we said fasting provides. And um, so you taking a year, would you say that now on day, what are we, 370 or so? Today, so technically, uh, the, I ended the fast, well, the last day of the fast was day 366, and I'm, I'm in the refeeding phase. Today's day four of refeeding. Okay. So I'm still doing, I'm still juicing every day, and maybe one fruit. Yesterday, I had a couple of different types of fruit, but a very small quantity. Um, and I feel like I've learned more about myself over this year than I have over my entire life. And like you said, it it's that space to go within. And just to give you an example with, with my trauma history, I was never able to say what it, I was never able to vocalize what had happened to me. Um, I was actually abused as a child. Um, and I, by the age of 21, I had been assaulted if you look at every assault that I've, I've gone through, every sexual trauma that I've gone through, by the age of 21, I averaged one trauma every three years. Tw two of those were rape. So I've had my fair share of trauma. And I know a trauma. I've experienced quite a bit of trauma. And I was never able to say the word rape before with this before fasting 
even just thinking about what had happened to me, I shut down. I, I would, I would, act, I would, I physically shut down. I would retreat to my room, and I wouldn't be able to talk to anyone for days. I, I wouldn't leave my room. I wouldn't talk. Lights would be out. I would just go into the shell of myself. And I'm not saying I'm 100% healed in terms of dealing with my trauma. But the fact that I can come here and publicly say what has happened to me and not break down and not feel the guilt and the shame associated with it, because I've been able to have that space to do the inner work, I think is just so beautiful. And that, that right there is a credit to fasting and fasting alone. Mm. <laughs> fasting alone. Mm. <laughs> oh, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's indescribable. People come in for the physical, right? You came because your body wasn't working and you wanted to allow your body to heal. Little did you know everything that would come in its wake um, and hopefully affect every single aspect of your life. Um, so I, I definitely want to look forward with you into the future. But before we get there, I want to hear just as a digestive specialist, I actually um, I practice and teach uh, Woods Method Gravity Colon Hydrotherapy. Um, which is an additional point to traditional natural hygiene to empower the body to get rid of the tremendous amount of waste that modern humans carry, that humans 100 years ago when my teachers you know, were practicing, humans didn't have that much waste. And so there's a lot more excess to get rid of and to be able to kind of catapult, like I've been on day you know, 47, 48, 49, 50, done, 49, 50, done every day a colonic, Right. And wow. had black streaming through the tube. Wow. And, and this is me who's 15 years of intensive cellular cleansing. So it's like everyone's got a lot of shit to release. And, yeah. and there isn't really an end because we live. I'm, I'm currently talking to you from Rio de Janeiro. Right. We live in these crazy crowded cities, dirty places where we're all the time breathing, ingesting, you know, imbibing, rubbing up against what is toxic to the human body and that's the, the that is the modern world right we don't all live out in the countryside with spring water and and fresh sunshine and air um and those of you who do who might be listening like hallelujah invite yes. us over <laughs> um but nonetheless, the, the aspect of the digestive tract as kind of the great knower of the body, I want to tap in to see, see how your stomach's doing with, if it's the one fruit a day, um, in hindsight of mentioning your stomach paralysis. And then we talk about poop a lot here. So I hope you're comfortable. I love poop talk. I love poop talk. <laughs> <laughs> to share um, how your digestive tract has been reawakening after one year of no food and uh, preconditions. Yeah. So on the first day post fast, I did the John Rose prune test. And um, for those who aren't familiar, it's soaking eight ounces of prunes in 16 ounces of water, filtered water overnight. And then first thing in the morning, drinking the prune water and then eating the eight ounces of prunes and waiting to see how long it takes for the prunes to pass. The prunes themselves should pass within two to three hours, according to John Rose. Um, that was not my experience. I drank uh, the 16 ounces of water. It was not um, my favorite drink. 
just for anyone who wants to try it, it is don't expect to enjoy it per se. Um, and I was, I only managed to get down five prunes before my body said, okay, that's enough. And I've been, my biggest thing along this whole journey and everything that I've ever shared has always been listen to your body because your body knows best, right? What works for me may not work for you. Just listen to your body. So after the five prunes, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm stopped. I started to see some of the prunes about four hours afterwards, but really I only had an actual bowel movement with prunes 20 hours later. Now, as someone who, when I, I had a smart pill test done back in 2018 or 19, I can't remember which, basically you swallow a pill, you have to wear a monitor and based on the pH level on it, it tells you where exactly it is in the digestive tract um, throughout the entire time. Basically, it took me 109 hours to pass this pill. So I was fairly, fairly congested. They say it shouldn't take more than 24 to 48 at the upper maximum. So to be 109 hours for this pill to exit the body, it was a, uh, it was quite a bit intense, but to go from that to passing prunes 20 hours later, that's a significant improvement. And I never expected with the, the year of juice to be entirely healed at the end of a year. I've, my genes have been malfunctioning since the day I was born and there's generational trauma. And like you mentioned, we live in a world that is not designed for optimal human health. So I knew that this was going to be a great launching pad, but it wouldn't be, okay, a year is done, you're healed, time to move on. But the fact that I was able to go from 109 hours to 20, the fact that I was able to go from 109 hours to 20 hours is absolutely incredible and mind boggling to me. Um, I did feel a little bit of nausea the first day um, and I got a little bit lightheaded, but other than that, I felt fantastic. I didn't feel heavy or weighed down or bogged down or anything. And I think that's because I listened to my body and it said, okay, five prunes is enough. So that's all I did. And then I went back to juices for the rest of the day. Um, the next day after the prune test was, I, I had, what did I have? I believe that was, oh man, I'm blanking. I'm not sure. I, I had some fruit. I remember I had, I had it at dinner because my parents actually set a place for me at the dinner table, which hasn't happened in a year. I haven't needed that. Um, and I remember having a bite and, oh, it was a persimmon. That's what it was. I had a persimmon. I just, yeah, I just have to check my Instagram to see because I, I post pictures because um, I can't keep track of things in my head. <laughs> um, but I, I had a persimmon and I had three fourths of a persimmon. And that was, I, it was, I just felt so alive. I, I definitely got lightheaded after the persimmon there. But I woke up the next morning and had a bowel movement. And it was the perfect bowel movement, according to like the, uh, the pros where it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was fantastic. The next day I was juicing. So yesterday, as I was making my juice in the morning, I had, um, I was making a pineapple berry juice and the raspberries looked really good. So I popped one and I tried it and it was amazing. No issues whatsoever. Same thing with the pineapple. It smelled so good. I couldn't just, so good. I couldn't just, I couldn't not taste it. So I took a bite. 
and it was fantastic. And then last night at dinner, um, because my parents had set a nice plate for me, I ate a mango. I didn't have the whole thing. Um, I actually ate it with my hands and like bit into it like corn on the cob. So I let, I was able to leave the extremely fibrous parts of the mango attached to the stone and I didn't try those. I just ate the softer outer bits and I'm making sure that everything I have is very, very ripe to make it easier to digest because we all know ripe fruits are the best fruits and why settle for something subpar when you can get the ultimate. Have you Um, been listening to my friend Ted Carr? (laughs) Actually, yes. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a Ted lesson if I've ever heard. Yeah. But so far digestion has been, has been amazing. I haven't had, and because I've been going so slowly and I know it sounds like I've been doing a lot in terms of trying the different fruits, but I've been listening to my body when it says, okay, okay, you can have, trying the one raspberry was good. And okay, you had your raspberry, we're satisfied. And by not pushing it and going further than what my body says is appropriate at that current moment, I'm having no issues whatsoever. Maybe a little bit of lightheadedness here, uh, a little bit of nausea there, but that's my body reacclimating to to the sensation of having something in the stomach, which mm-hmm. is not something that I'm used to. When I was on, on just juices, I didn't feel anything in my stomach. Um, I actually, fun fact, don't have any sensation in my stomach in terms of hunger or satiety. I lost all of that in early 2017. I, I um, was on a medication that caused nerve damage. It allowed me to hold food down, but I wasn't able to feel my stomach. And I haven't really been able to feel it since then. But that sensation is starting to slowly come back. And it's really, really neat to be able to feel what's going on in there. Um, so far, so good. I'm going slow, listening to my body. Um, I'm having normal bowel movements regularly. Um, I'm also a big fan of enemas and uh, colonics as well. I had my first colonic actually about a week ago, and I can't wait to book the next one. Do you but know I what's, do... oh, where are you? I'm in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Atlanta. I'm, sure, I'm sure there must be a gravity practitioner there. I'll um, also look into it, yeah. yeah I, I was doing the important. open system. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, um, especially with your conditions, like the tenacity, the musculature of your colon is super important. And when we talk about transit time, which is the amount of time it takes for something to go from mouth to anus, um, for a healthy working functioning body, it's actually between 17 and a half to 24 hours. Um, so I'm not sure about this prune test. I I've never heard of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect something to come out in two to three hours. Expect something to come out in two to three hours. That's usually means that the body doesn't want whatever you've put in because you have, you know, 30 feet or 10 meters of right. digestive tubing that something has to travel through. Right. Um, it's very common though, after a fast that you'll have diarrhea and that something will pass faster because your body's never ready to break the fast, right? It's only the right. mind and, and a sense of um, forgotten need that the body seems to be communicating through the mind, but it's actually the body's always happy to keep fasting and wants to continue. And so diarrhea is very common for people breaking fasts, but um, looking at your 109 hours that you had gotten tested with the pill, um, again, that that around 24 hours, 17 and a half to 24 hours is, is normal transit time. And that's once per meal per day that we should be moving the bowels and um, that would be less for you in your case if you're just eating you know a raspberry some pineapple 
and a bit of light into a bowel movement, though hopefully your body has taken um, the embedded toxicity and collected it into fecal matter right. and made it ready so that when peristalsis starts again from your stomach, right, if the musculature is healing through the nervous system replenishing, and that then, right, that musculature will echo through and result in a bowel movement. And I mean, your 109 hours to give you some data from uh, my colonics teacher, the goddess of colon hydrotherapy, who's not so far away from you in Orlando, uh, outside of Orlando in Kissimmee. If you wanted to go see her, it might be oh, interesting. Wow. Her name is Helen Wood. Uh, and she has data from, I think it's from the 80s. So you can only imagine how much worse it's gotten in 40 years. Um, yeah that average and this is us data so of course it's worse but the rest of the world's likely caught up by now uh average transit time for a man is 60 hours and average for a woman is hours and so to be at 109 isn't with an impaired digestive tract is not that far away from what the norm is in society so hopefully that can make you feel better but now you know kind of that the window to go for and understanding that reigniting your own peristalsis through Woods gravity method, colon hydrotherapy is um, super important for your continued healing journey in my opinion. Yeah, I'm definitely all about getting the talk, getting the, l listen, I, I've, uh, I've been told along my journey that there's no way I was actually doing it. And there is no way that I'm actually just juicing for an entire year. There has to, I have to be eating something, whatever. I was basically, I was told that I was full of shit and you know what? We're all full of shit. So the more shit we can release, the better. Mm -hmm. um, just to clarify, I was definitely only juicing for an entire year, no solids, nothing else, just juice. But I, I say that because expression, you're so full of shit. Well, we're all full of shit, literally. Let's get that out. Let's let's see how much better we feel. Let's let's release. Yeah, that's that's not news to anyone listening to this. That's yeah, that's that's um, it's definitely old news. But the the point of um, allowing your body to do that, especially when the digestive system, which wasn't working before, and that's for anyone whose digestive system isn't working, anyone who has Crohn's or colitis, anyone who has diarrhea, anyone who has gastroenteritis, anyone who has um, just normal gastritis of food, bacterial poisoning, anything like that, mm. vomiting, diarrhea, all of these things, anything having to do with the digestive tract cannot, will not ever heal when you're still eating full stop. Yeah. But it Absolutely. requires a period, perhaps a long period of fasting where, um, I mean, especially if you look at something like ulcers, <laughs> where mm. you are closing off the tunnel, the traffic tunnel, just like if it was cars driving down a road, you would have to close off the tunnel to allow that tunnel to heal. Right. Uh, and that's what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. And so from here, um, do you have a desire as to um, what your health strategy, your plan will be in relation to diet, in relation to embodiment, exercise, things like this? The ultimate goal and what I'm really striving for and is raw vegan, high fruit, um, and honestly, in order to get there, I'm just taking it day by day, listening to my body. I feel like if I get too dogmatic about how I go about doing something, if my body doesn't respond, then I'm not going to end up making it to the ultimate goal. The goal is what's important, the method less so. So if my body tells me, if I'm following a specific protocol, my body says, no, 
this isn't what I want, but I continue to follow that protocol, I'm doing myself a disservice. So I'm taking it day by day, listening. So I'm taking it day by day, listening to my body when it says um, that's enough solids for right now, I'm listening. When it says, hey, I need something a little bit more than what you're giving me, I'm listening. Um, it's really just about, for me, it's really just about listening to my intuition, listening to my body and giving it what it needs. Because this entire journey, I've put my body in the driver's seat. I've taken a step back. I've been hands off. I've just listened and done what it needs me to do. And by doing that, I've allowed my body to do the healing that it needs to do. And I, I feel like moving forward, that's going to be the same strategy. And I feel like that's how I'm going to live my life as well. Being a little bit more hands off and giving more control and more trust into the universe and into all these things that are happening outside of me. Because I'm a part of something. I am not something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to also illustrate just for anyone listening that this ability to listen to your body um, really put upon, we can even say steroids during the fast, that the reconnection to the body is perhaps the most palpable part of a fasting experience. And whereas people who are eating and don't have much experience of fasting, you know, they think they're listening to their body. Again, as I said before, like they're probably listening to their mind. So you guys listening who are like, oh yeah, I listen to my body. <laughs> like it reaches for something else. Um, but until you've had this initiatory experience of fasting, specifically long-term fasting, at least a week, look at Sarah, a year, like the depth of your embodied understanding will really parallel um, to some extent, the length of your fast. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you just, you, you say like you've lived a whole lifetime in this past year and in many ways you have, right. You've probably, I don't know, gained two, at least two decades of wisdom. And, um, in my own life and practice, I mean, I, I lived the career of someone in their forties when I was in my twenties. Right. And, and I, I know that who I am and how I am and how I show up is a direct result of my commitment to fasting over the past 10 to 15 years. And um, it, it is a practice that gives back so much to us, right? Relentlessly, because um, it, it takes us out of our own way, I would say. Um, I 100% agree. There's the, the fact that by removing external stimuli, all you're left with is the internal. And you're forced to face things that you otherwise would be able to mask with, with food. Um, and if, if we look at the way that our society connects, what do we do together? We eat, we break bread, we do all of these things. We, we, we mask our connections with each other through external stimuli. We don't ever just sit there together in silence. We don't ever, don't ever just sit there all with ourselves in silence. There's always something, whether it be the TV in the background or getting lost in a book or eating, eating masks emotions. And by stripping ourselves of that, by, by leaving us with nothing but the internal, we are forced to connect in a way and we gain this understanding that we otherwise would not have. And I, I think it's just such, it's, it's a very difficult and trying process because it does force us to look at things in a perspective and in a way and address things that, we, that aren't pleasant but it is such a beautiful learning experience. And I feel like I know who I am now, whereas before I didn't. And as I stripped away the food, I stripped away all these layers of myself who I really wasn't. I, I always say that I, I didn't become someone new. I'm unbecoming everyone, everything that I wasn't. 
So just removing these layers to expose and to figure out the true essence of myself through the removal of the external sense of myself through the removal of the external has been such an incredible and mind blowing process. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's beautiful to hear you say these things because they're things that I've been, you know, speaking to large audiences about for years and those who have undergone my programs have um, experienced this and, and felt these things. And yet you who's had no exposure, right. But it's the fasting right. that's speaking through us, right. Yep. It's the common understanding. Yeah. Of what perhaps humanity can become. Yeah. So are you, where, what are you studying? I am actually studying nonprofit management. Mm. I would love to run a, or I should say, I'm going to speak it into existence. I will run a nonprofit that creates food forests and food deserts mm. and teaches the community to be more sustainable and how to grow their own food and the connection between healthy eating, the connection between healthy eating and raw veganism and the planet and their health and generational generational health and generational wealth. And a lot of people don't realize that where we are vibrationally is a direct result of what we put into our bodies. So when we're putting things into our bodies that aren't meant to be in our bodies, we're not allowing ourselves, we're not allowing ourselves to rise up to the level of where we should be as a people and we're trapping ourselves in certain cycles. And by breaking those cycles with our food, we're going to be able to break those cycles of where we are in our lives and create generational wealth and true wealth, not just money, but true wealth of understanding and building a better society for the future. Yeah, beautiful. Well, uh, I would love you to come and, and work with us at the, at the Tiva Foundation, because that's very much what we're doing in uh, small country governments and royal family nations, in small country governments and royal family nations in actually wow. implementing preventative health paradigms. Yeah, that's at amazing. A level that can be experimental and not just like a grassroots NGO kind of thing, but working with um, policymakers in places where it's small enough to make impact to run studies that can prove efficacy to then be spread globally so yeah that's beautiful I, I would also recommend that you um look up the work of my friend Aviram with Sadhana Forest okay um, I've, I've watched the blossoming of the brilliant project one of the best reforestation food forest um connection to local people, educational projects that I've ever witnessed. Um, I watched it over the past probably 12 years, uh, blossom first in Southern India and then in Haiti and most lately in Kenya. And um, it's a powerful project that's based not in Robbie. Sajna Forest is a, is a super powerful project that I support philanthropically and with my whole heart. Um, and I think that Merging missions is, is really important right now, especially in the era that we're in, because this is the great turning and we don't have so much time to, um, to do different things. There are people who want to connect and collaboration is the antidote to capitalism and competition. I agree. The more we come together, the, the easier it is, and the more beautiful it is. What people have a tendency to forget is that by helping someone else light their flame, you're not extinguishing your own, you're just making the light shine brighter. And the more light we have in this darkness, the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. And are you, 
Are you, I mean, I'm, uh, you're in the US and I'm very familiar with the American hyperbolic sensationalism. Um, are people asking you to do the Oprah book tour thing, book tour thing after a year of juice? <laughs> um, a little bit, yeah. Honestly, I never expected anything to come out of any of this other than my own healing. I didn't go into this with any expectations. Like I said in the beginning, the original goal was 100 days of juice. And as I was approaching the end of that, I realized 100 days, my body was telling me I needed to continue on. So I did. Um, but my Instagram that I created, that was more for personal accountability. I didn't actually start posting anything until day 50 because I was afraid that if I posted beforehand and I failed, I would be too embarrassed and I just wouldn't continue on and I would quit and that would, and that would be it. Um, and I never, I didn't take any measurements at the beginning. I didn't expect anyone to really care about this journey. I didn't expect to gain anything from it spiritually. So I, and I wasn't even thinking from that perspective. I was just looking at this fasting journey. I was just looking at this fasting journey as a strictly physical journey. So my mind was closed off to even the possibility of this potentially helping somebody else. This was all about me and my journey. I, I wasn't even receptive to the idea that this could be something more. Um, so I'm honestly still in shock and still in awe about the overwhelming responses that I've gotten about my journey and the fact that people actually care about it. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I've done anything magnificent in the sense that it's something that nobody else can accomplish. Anybody can do this. Not saying that everybody needs to, but anybody can fast. Anybody could, if they wanted to, do a year-long juice fast. It's not something unique to me. It's not something special about me. I just was the one who ended up doing it. So the fact that people are saying that it's so... I, I've been getting a lot of comments and um, so many warm wishes and warm congratulations. And it's just like wishes and warm congratulations. And it's just like, to me, it's... It, it's I'm, on the one hand, I'm so, so grateful for it. I really am truly appreciative. And I believe the more positive light that we put out there, the better. So nothing against anyone who's saying all these things. Cause I'm so, again, so, so grateful in my head. It's just, I can do this. You can do this too. This isn't something special or unique. This isn't something that only certain people can pull off. Anybody can do it. Anybody can fast. And if this is what you're called to do, do it. Yeah, and on a philosophical level, theoretical level, what you're doing is not um, buying into the narcissism that social media breeds. And instead, um, you're speaking again from that place of fasting. And if fasting is some kind of universal godhead that, you know, shows the light of the truth of our existence, right? That voice speaks in a non-personal way. And so that is, speaks in a non-personal way. And so that is where you're saying anyone can do it, right? It's not like you're a motivational speaker here saying anyone can do this. Like it's not coming from that place of ego. And I, I witnessed that very clearly in you. And it's something that I'm so familiar with after um, so many years of guiding thousands of thousands of people through fasting experiences and just watching the, the unfolding that happens automatically without need for our input, right? That is the body healing itself. So yeah, beautiful to witness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm, very interesting. So is there anything else that you want to share? I do want to also ask, um, I run shorter fasts 
of course, uh, the initiation is a one week fasting retreat, which of course, in comparison to a year is very different. And um, I remember so clearly that when I would be two months into a fast and I would run weekly groups when I was managing, um, when, you know, I was two months into a fast, people would complain less about their three day or their seven day fast. <laughs> you know, it was like less resistance because they knew that they were standing there right next to me who hadn't eaten and who knows how many days. And, right. um, and yeah, so that, that like mental conceptualization. So from that perspective, what advice would you have to someone who's starting hopefully on a guided fasting journey? So the most important things I think are to be kind to yourself. Um, fasting is on, on a conceptual level, it's easy, but with the reality of it, how addicted we've become to external stimuli, including food, fasting can be extremely, extremely difficult. I remember wanting to start this year of juice in September of 2019. And it took me trying and failing. It took me trying and failing until November. And November 15th was the day when I just woke up and things clicked. And from, and from there, it just worked. So if you're trying to fast and if you are putting yourself out there and you slip up, be kind to yourself. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that you're a failure and it doesn't mean that that's the end of your fasting experience. It just means that in that moment, that was the lesson you needed to learn. Something, there was something, there was a reason why you failed at that particular time. And I wouldn't even call it a failure. I would say there was a reason that you needed to learn that particular lesson at that particular time. So ultimately kindness towards yourself, um, listening to your body, but listening to your body and not your ego. So really finding that connection and making sure sitting with yourself in silence and making sure that what you're listening to is actually the voice of your body and not the voice of your ego because you want something or because ego because you want something or because it's, it's easier to hear that voice as opposed to the one of your body. Truly find that connection with your body. And then the last piece of advice, and this is something I give out to anyone who asks me for any advice um, when it comes to fasting, Never trust a fart on a juice fast. Oh, goodness. <laughs> there you go. There Just you have go. to put that out there. Yeah, right. There's some sharding cleansing going through. Very oh, good. Yeah. Our, our Institute for Aliveness colonics team will appreciate that. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I have a book about the psychology of long-term fasting and it's really this, um, you know, untread ground uh, and your awareness that's been accrued through this experience. And it sounds like you probably had even before you went into fast and it was just um, uh, stewarded or allowed to stewarded or allowed to, to organically grow on its own through the fast. Um, that awareness is everything when it comes to fasting. And it's really, that's the muscle that you're building through um, changing one thing and as I say you change one thing you change everything yeah absolutely I 100% agree with that beautiful so is there anything else you want to share do you want to share your Instagram so people can follow you if they want to follow your journey uh, sure uh, my Instagram is at the year of juice and each word has a period after it so the period year period of period juice um, that's 
that's it. (laughs) But I do want to say, I I do want to thank you and for giving me the opportunity to share about my story and to meet you. You are such a light and I don't, obviously we've had, I don't think we've had any interaction before this, but I feel like I know you and I feel you are such a warm person and I feel you are such a warm person and I feel so supportive, so supported and so connected to you just from this one conversation. Um, so thank you for that. And I, I just feel, I feel like I feel who you are coming through this computer screen right now. And I think that's so beautiful, just who you are shines so brightly. So thank you for being such a light and for, for allowing me to come on here and share my story and share my journey. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I mean, this is like, this is human history, right? You are, you are making it, you are creating it, you are treading being the pioneer to those bounds where people haven't gone and that tale needs to be heard. So I was listening to that for you. If you learned from or moved by the episode, pay it forward. Go to Apple now and leave a five-star review so others can benefit. Join the Institute for Aliveness for a one-week transformational fasting experience. Consider getting an astrology reading from Andy or enroll in the one-year health coach certification course. Whatever you do, don't let this learning pass you by. Do something now to impact your lifestyle for good.